Hey friends, I'm Brad Livingston, lead pastor here at Transformation Church. I want to personally welcome you to our podcast. At TC, we exist to see people transformed from who they are to who God wants them to be. So no matter where you are on your faith journey, I hope today's message inspires you to take one step closer to Christ. What we, what we are so excited about is what God is doing at TC, uh, and my hope, my goal in this series is to show you some of the things that God is doing and show you exactly uh, what your role is in it. Um, and so we're going to jump straight into it. Me and my wife love watching the show Survivor, um, and so I actually was not uh, super excited about watching it, to be honest with you, because um, it's like, she's like, we're just going to watch all the seasons, and I was like, all right, so like, how many is that? Like six, seven? She's like 40. And I was like, mm. Uh, and the first like 15 of them are so old that they're in the square format. Y'all know what I'm talking about? So like, so some of you kids, okay, sorry. They're, back in the day, our TVs were square, okay? And they had this big thing on the back of it. Uh, but we, but so we're, we've been watching Survivor. And one of the things that I've realized uh, as we've been watching Survivor um, is the most important thing they can do is find fire, is build fire. Like that's number one, like fire is life is a phrase that they use. And as I've been watching the show and they've been building fire constantly, there's a few things that I noticed uh, about it is, first of all, is you always have to keep the fire burning. The second thing is that fire can spread easily in dry places. And so what we're going to talk about today is church on fire because here's the deal. Some things are very important if we're going to understand what it means for the fire. And what I mean the fire is the, the contagious part of what God is doing. And so that's what I'm talking about when I say fire is that God is doing something. And as God is doing something, we are actually responsible for making sure that this something gets to the places that it hasn't touched yet. And so as we start to unfold what we're talking about, my hope today is to talk to you about this idea that there's a fire spreading. And so two things are absolutely important. This is not in your notes, but you can write them down if you have your notes with you. Two things are absolutely essential. First of all, is that the fire spreads well in dry places. And so the areas of your life that God has yet to touch, he can make abundant. The areas of your friends, the people that you're close to, that just seem to be living dry, desolate, and, and quite frankly, just lives that aren't abundant, when God steps into the those places, he can do amazing things. The second thing that I want you to understand is that a fire has to constantly be fed if it's going to keep burning. And one thing that I think we've kind of fallen into, particularly in the South, because we're kind of in the belt buckle of the Bible belt, is people think that Christianity boils down to church attendance, and that's not true. As long as I do my thing on Sunday, I'm good Monday through Saturday, and then I'll pop back up. Christian, uh, Christianity in America has looked far too much like Catholicism for too long. And if you're here and you're Catholic, that's not my intent to be offensive. It's we've made it to where you go to confessional on Sunday, you do your thing, and then you do whatever you want Monday through Saturday, and as long as you show back up on Sunday, you're good. And so Christians in the West actually kind of look at, at Catholicism like, ah, you guys don't quite have it figured out, yet we kind of follow the same pattern. But what I'm here to tell you is a healthy fire is one that's constantly being fed. It's not just a Sunday thing, but it's a Monday thing and a Tuesday thing and a Wednesday thing and a Thursday thing and a Friday thing and a Saturday thing. And it's, it's this constant feeding where we keep the fire burning. But hear me, it's not just burning for us. It's constantly feeding it with other people so that it's spreading, not just burning. And that's what I want to talk to you about today, the fire is spreading. Turn your neighbor and say spreading. All right, let's try that again. Turn your neighbor and say spreading. If you're at home, look at your cat and say spreading. You need to spread them outside in Jesus' name. Okay, so... We're going to go to Acts 2, and then we're going to John 5 today. That's where we're going to live. Acts 2 and John 5, it's in your notes. It'll be on the screen. If you have your Bible, you can go there. 
And so to catch you up on what's happening in Acts chapter 2, Jesus has ascended to heaven at this point, right? So he said, uh, I have to go. And as I go, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God is going to come and he'll be with you because he can be everywhere, but I can only be in one place at one time. So he goes to heaven where he's sitting at the right hand of the Father and the Holy Spirit comes. And so uh, then Jesus is gone and the believers, the church is gathering. Okay, say gathering. So I'm going to give you some details in the beginning because I just want to catch you up, okay? So they're gathering, and that's where we pick up in verse 2 of Acts chapter 2. As the believers met together that day, this is in the living Bible paraphrase just to help, okay? Suddenly there was a sound like the roaring of a mighty windstorm in the skies above them, and it filled the house where they were meeting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire, and we're not getting into that, all right? So all of you, like, non-charismatics, don't freak out. Okay, we're not going there today. I heard a deep sigh of relief, like, oh, okay. Tongues of fire appeared and settled on their heads, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in languages they did not know, for the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Okay, so, so we're clear. They meet in the upper room. They're together. The, there's a sound of rushing waters or winds, and all of a sudden, they all start speaking in languages they don't know. Okay, so just don't worry about the rest. Just that's what happened, okay? Now, to catch you up, there was a festival going on in the city at that time. And so uh, men outside the room spoke different languages. So people from all different nations of the world came to this place, and they all spoke different languages in addition to the language that they all had in common. All right? So they're speaking different languages, but the, the languages that the men inside the room are speaking is the very language of the men outside the room. Okay? And so what are they doing? It actually says that they're declaring the goodness of God in the other person's language. Okay, so as that's happening, the men look at him and go, hey, uh, they don't speak our language, do they? And they go, no. And they're like, okay, because they are right now. All right. So that would be like men, you understanding what your wife is saying all the time. Okay. You, the impossibility of that is just, okay. So, but, so they're going, I understand what they're saying. And they're telling me the goodness and the good works of God. And so they go, what do we have to do to have that? So they're religious already, but they're looking and going, what do I got to do to have that? Because that's a miracle. And so what happens is Peter preaches the message of Jesus Christ to them. Because up until this point, they're Old Testament followers. So they, they believe in the God of the Old Testament, but they don't believe Jesus has died for our sins. He preaches to them about Jesus Christ. 3,000 people get saved. And then the fire starts, metaphorical fire, starts spreading. The, the truth of Jesus starts spreading and it starts moving. And that's kind of where we're picking up, okay? Because this is what happens over the next few minutes, right? And so it's in your notes if you want to follow along with me quickly. I'm going to move you through Acts chapter 2 and just some of the highlighted things that happen when God shows up in people's lives. Are you ready? So turn to your neighbor and say, when God shows up. The first thing that happens, it's obvious that something has changed. Hear me, when God shows up in your life, it's obvious that something has changed. If God has showed up in your life and nothing has changed, I question if God showed up in your life. Because when he shows up, things change. Acts 2.42, and they devoted themselves, or I'm sorry, Acts 2.12, and they were all amazed and perplexed. Like something different was going on. Number two, we get serious about the Bible. Acts 2.42, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. 
which is the word. So they, they actually are like, yo, if this is real, I got to give myself to the thing that's going to help me understand it. Okay? So they get serious about the Bible. Number three, very powerful. We eat. Come on, somebody. I said we eat. Okay, listen, I'm just here to preach the Bible. If you don't like it, I don't know what to tell you, but it said that they ate. Okay, so uh, eating is spiritual. You can do with that what you want, all right? In Jesus' name. Okay, so Acts 2.42, and they devoted themselves to the breaking of bread. Okay, so number four, people are left in awe. And, and, and as we kind of pick up four or five on through eight, this is the part that I really want us as, as believers to start to grab a hold of. Are people in awe of the different version of you that's here now versus the one that was before? Because they should be. When people sit down and talk to us, are they going, oh my gosh, there's something different about this guy. Is there some, something different about this girl? Like, Man, they should be in awe. Number five, we get on the same mission. We get on the same mission. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. Number six, we prioritize church and food. Okay, I thought I'd add that one in just because, you know, like that's what we do. So, um, but it is in the scripture. So I don't know, I can't, I'm just preaching the word, y'all. I'm just preaching the word. Okay. But hear me, go, go back to Acts 2, 46, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. And hear me, I, I think one of the things that COVID has done, and this is not a guilt trip attempt, that's not what I'm aiming to do here. But as COVID is starting to lower, our faith to return to the house of God should increase. And I'm not saying be stupid. If you listen, if you're online today and you've been waiting, I'm going to tell you, uh, first of all, come to nine o'clock service because 1030 is on and popping. Okay. So like we got club space in there. So no elbow room, nothing. Okay. So, but if you want to come, come to the nine o'clock service this is where these beautiful people are. It's great to see you guys. Uh, uh, and so, but here's the thing that I want you to understand. There's something powerful about meeting together. And I don't care who you listen to, if it's me or whatever your favorite preacher is online. The preaching is one thing, but the fellowship is another. And I want to encourage you today that as God gives you peace, take a faith step to return to the house of God, whatever your house is. Because we need it. All right, let's keep going. Number seven, God is glorified and praised. God is glorified and praised. And number eight, God uses what he did in me to do in others. God uses what he did in me to do in others. And the Lord added to the number daily who were being saved. Listen, when he was adding to the number daily, they weren't just going, oh, this is peculiar. I think I'll have God. That was not the way that went. They were talking, hey, listen, man, you got to hear this thing. You got to check this out. Like, come to my house, eat with me, and let me show you. So, like, there was something happening. And so here's the deal. It literally changed their lives, all right? So here's a question I have for you. What if God is giving you something to speak to the people around you that they can only receive from you? If he gave them a language that the people outside the room could understand, in other words, he gave them a message that was specific to the people outside the room, what if God wants to give you the message to speak to the people that only you can speak to? What if your past, what if the fact that you used to be an addict, what about if you used to deal drugs, if you used to club every night, if you used to sleep around with whatever, like what if the fact that those things were true, but now God did something in you means you have the ability to speak with a voice to a group of people that no one else can speak to. And so God is saying, no, 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 no. It's not that I want you silent because of what you went through. I want you loud because of what you've been through. And so he's showing us 
on the scene. And so here's what I want you to understand. And this is in your notes. Just to, or No, it's, it's on the screen. But what happened to them became so real in them that it changed them and sent them out for God to use them to reach more of them. I'm going to say that again because that was a lot of thems. What happened to them was so real in them that it changed them and sent them out for God to use them to reach more of them. Listen, you think it's crazy that God saved you out of your stuff. Wait till he saves more people like you out of their stuff. And so that fire should get inside of us. You know, like when you're like, man, I don't know if God can save my friends. Listen, if he saved you, he can save your friends. All right. If he saved me, he can save my friends. All right. If he took me from where I was to where I am now, trust me, anything's possible through Jesus. So I'm just telling you right now, it should move us. And this is what's crazy because in our nation right now, listen to this. In our nation, I pulled statistics this past week, right? 10% of churches in America will face a necessary revitalization or closure in the next 24 months. 10% 10% of the churches in the nation, if they don't change clothes in two years. Nearly 15% or 50,000 churches in America will either need to be adopted or fostered or they will close in the next three years. And it is anticipated that the normal church attendance will permanently reduce by 30% compared to the numbers of March in 2018 over the next six months. You know what's beautiful though? And this isn't us boasting like we're better than anyone. This is us celebrating what God is doing in this house because it's a church on fire. We're up 10% compared to this time last year, pre-COVID and attendance numbers. That's crazy. And that's you guys. So welcome. Okay, so God is doing something special here. With 30% of our church watching online, that means 30% are you right now. So in your pajamas, on your bed, next to your demonic cat. All right, you guys online, like in Jesus' name. So... uh, We love you, all right? Let's give it up for our online family on the web. We love you guys. Hear this. Both numbers taken into account, we're actually up. God has increased this family in this house 35% now compared to pre-COVID numbers. That means God is doing something, my friends. And some of you are like, man, I've just been here two weeks. You're part of that, okay? You're already family. I love you. You can eat at my table, okay? Just bring something good, all right? And none of that box mac and cheese stuff. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Like, I'm not here to play games, okay? I'm just kidding. A fire has started here at TC, friends. And, and, and it is happening in other churches. It's not just happening to us, but it is happening to us. And it should be something that is driving us to do something with our lives. And that's what I want to talk to you about today at TC. Listen, if you're new, if you're part of TC, this is the most, this is the the greatest experience we've seen as a church. If you're new to TC, I want you to understand something. The message I'm about to preach today is relatively, uh, is a little more to our folks, but I believe that if you'll grab a hold of it, wherever God plants you, whether it's here, which I'm praying that it is, or somewhere else, it'll let you flourish in your life with Jesus wherever he puts you. And so let's buy into it because Leonard Ravenhill has this quote. He says, you never have to advertise a fire. Everyone comes running when there's a fire. Likewise, if your church is on fire, you will not have to advertise it. The community will already know it. I was at lunch just the other day at Louisiana Lunchbox right up the road, and somebody stopped by my table that I was eating at and said, hey, you're the pastor at the church up the road, aren't you? And I was like, depends on why you're asking. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know how y'all feel about me over here just yet. So 
He was like, you're the church. I was like, yeah, I am. My name's Brad. And I introduced myself. He's like, listen, man, I've been in this community for 25 years. He's like, I don't even go to church, but I'm coming to yours. And I was like, might I ask why? <laughs> like, you know, like, am I fitting to get a problem situation? You know, like, he was like, I have, I've never really believed in church. He was like, but it's obvious that there's something going on there, and I'd like to see what it is. And I was like, what? And I just told him, yeah, absolutely, you can clap for that. I was like, and I told him, I said, I'll go ahead and tell you what's going on there, brother. I said, it's not because I'm great. I said, I believe that the Jesus that died for our sins isn't just someone that wants to meet us one day. He's, something, he's someone that wants to live with us today. And he wants to do something in your life that will change you forever and set you on a trajectory where the rest of your life will be purposeful, not to mention the eternity that he'll give you will be amazing. And I said, I'll pray with you right now. And he's like, well, I don't know. You know, I was like, well, come to church then. You know, so, um, but he's come, but listen, the people outside our walls that don't even go to churches are recognizing there's something happening here. And that's amazing. So we need to become a part of that in a greater way. Why? At TC, this is part of our code. This is a search and rescue mission. We'll never let this lifeboat become a yacht club. That means we've got work to do, my friends. So let's jump in and talk about a spreading fire. Questions that I think we need to answer as we jump into this in John 5. If you want to turn to John 5, you can. Questions that I think we need to answer as we're getting into this. One, does God want to use me? We're going to answer that. Second, how does God want to use me? You know, I've told God before, like, hey, listen, God, like, I'm all for pastoring churches, but if you call me to, like, a teepee hut in South Africa or something, I'm going to need, like, a written invitation. I'm going to need the clouds to part, a ray of sunshine to beam down in that moment, an audible shaking of everything around me, and I'm going to go. But, you know, I just need it to be clear. <laughs> okay, so I'm not going to be one of those things like I ate bad pepperoni pizza the night before. And it's like, man, I don't really feel like God's doing something. It's like, no, that ain't God doing something. Okay, anyway, so how does God want to use me? And then number three, is there too much in my life that has happened that I've been through? The choices that I made, is there too much in my life for God to use me? I want to answer that question as well because I think we need it. John 5, 2 through 3, we pick up in a story. Uh, and it just opens up right there in the text. So let's go there. Now there, in, there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a multitude of them that are sick, blind, halt, and withered. Okay? So uh, in there, there's a number of people who uh, are sick, they're blind, they're halt, they're withered. Uh, and so we pick up in verse 5. One who was there had been invalid or had been sick or had been had whatever his condition was for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there, he, leaned, or he learned that he had been in this condition for a long time. So he asked him, do you want to get well? Now listen, folks. I don't think that was a necessary question. Do you guys? Like, do you think it was necessary for like, hey, Jesus, like, hey, I know you've been sick 38 years. Do you want to do, like, would you like to be rid of that? Like, do you want to get well? So hear me, he's... Jesus looks at him, and so why would Jesus ask this ridiculous question to this man who's been sitting there for 38 years? Do you want to get well? Why did he ask him? Well, two questions. 
Number one, there's, a, there's parts of uh, translation where it, would, it actually tells this version where uh, there's uh, an angel of the Lord would come and stir the waters. And when he stirred the waters, uh, he, the, anyone that got in the water first would be healed miraculously of whatever their disease was, whatever their infirmity was, right? So he's asking, do you want to get well? And he appears by the water waiting so that he can get in. So he's asking, why or do you want to get well? And why did Jesus ask this question? Because if he wanted to get well and he knew the waters could help make him well, why hasn't he gotten well yet? Now, the second thing that I think is important, why did Jesus ask this ridiculous question? is because he was about to ask him to do something more serious and more ludicrous than the original question. And we're going to get there in just a second, so stay with me. But hear me, I want to, I want to identify something that Jesus is asking here because when we read it on the surface, we don't get to the intent behind Jesus' question, Okay. He says, do you want to get well? Say that with me. Do you want to get well? He's not asking if he wishes he was well. He's asking him if he wants to get well. Essentially what he's doing is asking, have you become complacent in this sickness that you don't really care if you stay here or not? In other words, have you become apathetic? Are you just kind of living in a state of, you know what, it'll be what it'll be. I can't change it. Every time I try, it doesn't work out. In other words, he's saying, no, do you want it bad enough to do the thing that I'm about to ask you to do? So answer this ridiculous question because you're going to have to do something even more ludicrous here in just a second if your answer is yes. And what Jesus is speaking to is the desire to become well, and listen to me, what God is speaking to us right now is do we have the desire to become well and see other people become well, or have we just grown apathetic and whatever will be, will be. If Jesus wants to save him, he'll save him, you know what, but I'm going to keep working and living and doing all the things my way, and I'm just not going to worry about making sure this fire spreads. But Jesus is saying, do you want this? I'll give it to you this way in your notes, the two things standing in the way of God using us are our feelings of inadequacy or our apathy. The two things that are standing in the way of God using us in this life is either we don't feel good enough, like we're disqualified, like God can't use us, like I don't know if he can, I don't know if he really wants to do anything in my life, or apathy, I just don't really care. Hear me, friends. Hell is real, and people that die without Jesus are going there. And we have to make sure we care enough to see people's lives transformed by who Jesus is so that their destination, hear me, I, I was just with a couple people the other day, and they had a friend that had passed away, and they're like, well, he's in a better place, and I knew this friend. And it took everything in me in that moment to not be like, no, but we met at Waffle House a few days later. I said, hey, fellas, I want to make sure we're clear on something because that's my job. I said, unless God did something on his deathbed, he's not in a better place. He's in hell. And I think if we experience death more frequently, we would have a gravity to understanding that we have a job to do while we're here. It would change the way we lived our lives if we realized that this is temporary and what comes after this is forever. 
And so this should grip our hearts more that, hear me, there's nothing in you that disqualifies you from doing what God is calling you to do and getting active with your faith. And secondly, the only thing that could stand in front of any of us is the feeling like it doesn't really matter anyways. Because hear me, friends, it matters. It matters. Now you may be sitting there, it's like, yeah, I've tried religion or I've tried church. But hear me, the difference is now you're trying it with stirred waters, not still waters. The person would wait for the waters to get stirred because that's where the miracle could happen. And listen, you may have tried church before, but God's asking you to try it now that the waters are stirring. Your friends may have tried religion or church before where there were still waters, but hear me, now the water is stirring. Try again, man. Try again. I was asked recently about cancel culture. And someone asked me, they said, uh, they said, do you, uh, they asked me to write a snippet. They said, can you write us a snippet? We want to either put it in a magazine or use it on a podcast. They said, can you write a little thing about how cancel culture is going to affect Christians in America? I was like, sure. I'd love to do that. And this is what I wrote. When it comes to cancel culture, most Christians in America will never notice a difference. Many of them haven't read their Bible that they're worried about getting canceled. Many of them haven't declared the gospel that they're worried about getting canceled. It's the same ones that were up in arms about taking prayer out of schools, meanwhile never praying with the kids at home. Other than the occasional Facebook share or Instagram post, most Christians in America haven't lived a life worthy of getting canceled. They sent me an email back and said, we'll let you know if it gets published. <laughs> but how quick and how easy it is, is it to end up like that? All of us. I'm not, this isn't a you thing. This is a us thing. How quick and easy is it to get so consumed with this life that we forget that there's something after this life? How easy is it to forget that we're worried about our freedoms and our rights, forgetting that there has never in the history of the world been freedom or rights for people that follow Jesus? Now, I'm not saying not to appreciate America, any of those things. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm saying is we should get so infatuated with what God is doing that we can't help but take it to places that it needs to be because people need it. And hear me, some of us need it. And so we have to get serious about it, man. For many of us, we've already let our personality, our comfortability, our focus on our career, our commitment to our kids' sports programs and everything else uh, to replace or cancel our voice a long time ago. But what would happen if all of that changed? Let's go back to John chapter 5. Jesus asked the question, Sir, the man replied, I have no one to help me. Into the pool, and I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone always goes down ahead of me and they beat me in there and I just can't get in there. And that's what many people think right now. They're going, man, the thing is, is I can't get rid of the thing that keeps holding me back, right? I was born into it. I was born with it. My grandma was like this. My, grand, my, my mom was like this. My grandfather was like this. My dad was like this. Or I, this thing that's inside of me, I just, I, I, I've always struggled with it. I was born into it. I'll never get rid of it. And the thing is, is you got people all around you that want the freedom that you have. They want the hope that you have. They want the joy that you have. They want the purpose that you have. They want what you have. And hear me, all they're looking for is someone to help them into the pool. All they're looking for is, them, is you to say like, hey, this thing that's going on in my life, like come with me. Let me show you where you can get it. It's right over here. And for some of you, you're even looking right now. And I'm here to tell you, 
that the next step for you isn't just showing up to the pool, but it's getting in it. Hear me today. For some of you, you keep showing up, but you're wondering why your life isn't changing. You're committed 50% to the Lord, but want to know why you're only 50% whole. And God's saying, if you'll just get in the pool, and this is not me trying to beat you up. This is me trying to put a spotlight on the area of your life that if you'll change it, God will meet you in a miraculous way. And so for us, hear me, there is fullness and completeness and purpose in the life that God is calling us to where we become the difference maker in someone else's life. But hear me, all they're saying is like, if I just had someone that would help me get in the pool, I know things could be different. And you know how to get them in there So we need to go to work. Now, what I think is so powerful when we break that text apart is he says two things. He had neither the strength nor the means to get in. So say strength. He had neither the strength. Say means. He had neither the strength nor the means. Many of the people around you neither have the strength on their own efforts to get to God Or they don't have the means, meaning people around them, to help them get to God. But God is calling you to be a solution to both. He's bringing you to that place where he wants you to become active. Hear me. This is in your notes. God has surrounded you with people who don't have the strength nor the means to get to the waters. But that's why he's put them around you. Because you do. You do have the answer. The fire is spreading in you. You are called to make a difference. And so I'm here to tell you, they need you. I I encourage you right now uh, at the Connect Center, we have these already, little lifesavers. And I encourage you to grab one on the way out the door. And here's what I want you to do with your lifesaver. We challenge challenge people to do this at least a couple times a year. Take that lifesaver and attach a name to it. Someone in your life that you're going to pray that God is going to meet them in a powerful way, use you to talk to them about Jesus, and you're going to get them to church. And until they accept Jesus, you're not eating that lifesaver. So it's just going to sit in your pocket next to your keys. And every time you grab it, you pray for them. And when they finally meet Jesus, then you can eat it and start all over again with another one. And I'll never forget the day that my lifesaver friend, mine, walked into AMC and met Jesus and prayed the prayer, put his faith in Christ, and God gave him a brand new start. And hear me, there's no more powerful, no more addicting, no more meaningful thing you can do with your life than know God used you to reach somebody else. And so, man, we should go to that place. One of the best ways you can start also is uh, right outside. We have Easter invite cards, random act of kindness cards. Man, grab some of those and go to work with that. And let's go to John 5, 8 as we're getting ready to wrap up. Then Jesus said to him, get up and pick up your mat and walk. Now, I want you to stop for just a second. I want you to think about this. He hadn't been able to do that for 38 years. And Jesus is like, hey, get up. Now, surely this dude was like, "Uh, you don't think I've tried that before? Keep in mind, Jesus has not said who he is. So as far as this guy knows, this is just a random guy saying, hey, get up. Think about it for a second. This guy's like, Jesus, I don't even know Jesus yet. Sir, with the long hair. You don't think I've tried that? I've wanted to get up my whole life and I can't. 
The, I, I've done everything I can, but I, I, I can't get moving. There, there's something in me that's broken and I can't fix it. And Jesus looks at him and says, get up, take your mat. He's tried so many times. But here's the beautiful part. Are you ready? He's tried so many times, but this is the first time he's tried it with Jesus. And for so many people we know, they've read the self-help book. They've listened to the podcast. They've done the work. They've even found some dope sermon clips by Stephen Furtick or Mike Todd or whatever. They've done, they've done all that. But hear me, they still haven't done it with Jesus yet. And when Jesus comes on the scene, he can do in people what no one can do within themselves. Which is finally get free from the thing that's been holding on to them for so long. God wants to do it, friends. Like, he wants to do this. And here's the beautiful thing. It's like God has now taken us, who, quite frankly, if we were honest, we've been by the pool before. We've been in the place where we were broken before. We've been in the place where we were sick before. He's using us and saying, hey, this is the crazy part. I want to make you part of this plan. So now I want you to be the one that walks by the pool. And I want you to be the one to tell someone that, hey, listen, whatever you're dealing with right now, you don't have to keep dealing with it because there's someone that's greater than what you're dealing with. There's someone that's greater than your infirmity. There's someone greater than your struggle. There's someone greater than your pain. There's someone greater than what you're going through. There's someone greater, and his name is Jesus. And if you would just meet him, if you would just know him, if you would just listen to him, if you would just follow him, if you would just put your faith in him, he'll take you to places you never thought you could go. They're at the pool and Jesus says, get up and take your mat. Now, this is the crazy part. Why did he just leave the mat there? Like, think about it. He's been laying on this mat for 38 years. If there's anything I don't want to carry, it's this funky, nasty, dirty, smelly mat that I've been sitting on for 38 years. If anything, I want to forget about it and move on. But that's the very thing that Jesus said to pick back up. And you want to know why? Because if the people around him just saw him walking, they would just see a familiar man. But when they see him carrying what he used to lay on, they see a miracle. Don't forget about what you came from. Because it's what you've come from that's the very thing that God wants to use to help people identify where they can go. Carry your mat. Because as long as you're carrying it, people are identifying, you know what, if God did that, I know he can do something in me. And he unlocks what's happening here. And we go right back to the book of Acts. Because when we're carrying our mat, when we're walking around with the thing that God has delivered us from, freed us from, helped us with, when we're walking around with that, the same thing that happened in Acts chapter 2 when they were speaking in the other languages is the same thing that happens in your life. Someone looks and goes, what do I got to do to have that? And in that moment, you tell them about who Jesus is. Now, let me be very clear on what that looks like very quickly. I, uh, I was recently out to eat. And so I went to McGuire's to have a burger. If you've never had a McGuire's burger, it'll change your life, first of all. But they're the thick patty burgers. So I'm talking like thick patty, bur like it's a burger, y'all. 
And so I was there and I ordered, I ordered the Big Daddy burger, uh, not in reference to my size, but because it looked tasty. And so uh, I was like, can I get that? Medium, medium well. It has bacon on it and jalapenos because that's how I rock, you know what I'm saying? Like I like a little flair in my life. And she said, do you want do you want the fondue cheese on top instead of the cheddar cheese? And I said, pause. She's like the cheese sauce. I said, it covers the whole burger. She's like, yeah, it'll cover the whole thing dripping down the side. And I said, oh, <laughs> yes, ma'am. She said, I'll bring you some extra. You can dip your fries in. I said, listen, I don't know if God sent you here. I don't know what this is about. So, so she comes out with a burger and it's, and so I don't usually do, I don't usually cut my burgers in half, but it was I was like, all right. So I cut it in half and the jalapenos are in there and the cheese fondue and the bacon. I was like, oh, <laughs> in Jesus name. You know what I mean? So uh, I went to eat this burger and it was so juicy and cheesy and bacony. How many of y'all are thinking about burgers right now? Y'all are like, what time do they open? Like, can I go now? What time? No. So here's the reason I told you that. How many of you felt guilty about not having the burger that I had? How many of you felt that I was talking down to you because you didn't have this great burger? That's not the way that went. All I did was tell you something great about an experience I had, and now you're thinking you might want it too. Friends, that is what it looks like to tell people about Jesus. You don't have to tell them at this point in the conversation all the biblical references of whatever. You may get there, you may not. But hear me, what people need to know is how amazing this thing is that you've experienced. And when we communicate it in a way that's not just, yeah, I got to go to church on Sunday, but it's like, man, I met Jesus and he brought fulfillment and joy. My marriage has never been better. My friendships have never been better. Uh, Everything I'm doing in my career, I may not be getting paid more, but there just seems to be more purpose. There's more life. There's a light now. There's something changed inside of me. I don't know what it is, but when I met Jesus, everything in my life changed and and I can breathe again and I feel lighter and I feel like this weight that's on my shoulders is off and and it's just a beautiful, amazing, glorious time. And hear me, do you want to try it? And I'll tell you, when we start communicating our faith like that, people will become inspired to say, I don't know what it is that you have, but I want it. And then right behind that, they go, but weren't you the one that was dealing drugs, smoking weed at the club every night, sleeping with whoever? And you're like, yes, I was. Because I'm not ashamed of this, Matt. This is just a testimony of what God's brought me through. And I'll carry it everywhere. I got no problem telling people who I used to be because that means how, that's how powerful Jesus must be to make me who I am today. The world needs to know about you. The greatest way to show someone how God can get them off their mat is by carrying yours. Let the world see who God is and what he can do. Because what is happening to you Just like we talked about the disciples, what happened to them became so real in them. Hear me. What is happening to you must become so real in you that it sends you out for God to use you to reach more of those who are like you. God wants to use you. So let's go to work. The church is on fire. So let's make sure it's spreading into places where people are being reached. So Why should I become active? 
Because Jesus came to you surrounded by people that were sick, just like he did the man at the pool. And he said, I'm the one that can make you well. So let's go to work. Let's pray today. Father, we thank you. We thank you that you're called us. We thank you that you're doing something in us. And so God, I pray right now for every person who has been inactive, God, but they're ready to say, you know what? I'm ready to let the fire start burning. I'm ready to help it spread. I'm ready to move forward. God, I pray you're gonna prompt people today to take the step and next steps where they're gonna find out how they can be used with their gifts. Immediately after this service, you're gonna prompt them. You're gonna call them. You're gonna lead them down the hallway. They're gonna set the next steps and they're gonna start recognizing how their life can be used to make a difference in somebody else's. God, I pray right now for those that have been through it, but they're just sitting dormant. They've already figured out their gift. They've already gone through next steps and God, because of COVID and life and things, they've just kind of started to settle in. But God, I pray that right now you call them to the place where they're saying yes to moving again, getting out of the rut, getting out of sitting still. And God, you're calling into a place where they become active in Jesus' name. Father, we pray that you just start moving us, prompt us to love people and speak to people. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, some of you are becoming commissioned today to go to work, to start serving, to start making a difference in people's lives, but some of you need God in your life right now. You may be in this room, you may be watching us online, and you need God to do something in you before you can take it out here. So right now, if you're here today, I want you to understand sin in all of our lives separated us from God. But when Jesus went to the cross, he paid the price for our sins and he made a way that we could come back to God. And here it is. We put our faith in Jesus Christ that he paid for our sins. And then we repent of the way. That means that we turn away from the life we used to live in. We live a life that's pursuing Jesus. It's that easy. And today, if you're ready to do that in this room or online, I want to lead you in this prayer that's just making a declaration that Jesus, I'm following you. So let's pray right now. The whole church is going to pray with you. Say, dear Jesus, forgive me. Forgive me my sins. I believe in you. I believe you died for me. I believe you paid for my sins. I believe you rose again. So I give you my life. Thank you for making me brand new. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. TC, let's give it up for everyone that prayed that perhaps for the first time and we celebrate with you guys. Amazing, amazing, amazing.